welcome to Conversations with Dwyer. I'm Matt Dwyer. As you probably know, this is a music podcast, and speaking of music, that song that played me in is called Stockpiled Guns and TV Dinners. It is from the EP Ain't It Nice, which will be out April 15th, 2022. And my guest today, of course, is the creator of that music, Maul Blum. And this is a great conversation. The tone, the way I said that, should imply it's great and you need to heed my warning. (laughs) Um, All links in the show notes to things that are Maul Blum. Buy the album, stream it, social media, all those things. Uh, But you don't stream it. Here's the thing that... Uh, this conversation I had with Maul is, was very long. I had to edit it down to an hour. If you go to my Patreon uh, at com and become a Patreon subscriber for five bucks a month, you could watch the conversation or you could listen to the full unedited conversation. Anyway, Maul and I talk about how we buy the record or digital version, and then we also stream it so it's a double pay for the artists. Just a little tip. Kind of that's what I do. I'll buy it on Bandcamp and still stream it on an app, so that way you get a double bammy of paying your favorite artist what they're worth for their music. Um, so Mall's Bandcamp is in the show notes. Buy the pre-order it. Mark it down in your candle calendar, April fifteenth. It's a great EP. I got an advanced copy from Andy Wilson, who's a friend and a PR person for Mall. And I would like to thank Andy for suggesting Maul does the uh, podcast and uh, made me love Maul Blum's music. Real quick, a couple things. I mentioned my thematdwire.com and becoming a Patreon subscriber for five bucks a month. Also, all things Matt Dwyer are on thematdwire.com, so please explore it. I also am going to have a new page up there. I am consulting for podcasting. One, if you just want, like you want to start a podcast and you don't know how to edit, I can edit it for you. Or if you have a loose idea of a podcast and you're trying to figure it out and like, hey, what am I going to do here with my podcast? I can help you develop that idea. I can tell you what materials to buy, how to get it out there to the world. Even if it's a loose idea, I can help you really, you know, I used to teach improvisation. I've helped people like Rob Delaney, David Keckner, who's Champ Kind, and Todd Packer. I helped them develop ideas. I've been a consultant to Rick Rubin on a comedy documentary that I can't talk about. <laughs> um, I also, you know, helped bring Painting with John to HBO and Adam McKay. So I know a few things about a few things. And if you want someone to bounce your ideas off, help you grow them out, Message me on my webpage. It's in the show notes. I can help you. Let me help you. Um, Of course, you know, for money. But we'll discuss that. Um, Also, speaking of websites, kellyrdwire.com, my partner in life, builds websites. If you need a website for the podcast that I'm going to help you create, you can have the website done by Kelly R. Dwyer at kellyrdwire.com. And she does a lot of huge podcasts. She does ologies. She does My Favorite Murder. She does... Uh, political people, actors, you name it, she's done podcasts for it. And I'd like to feed my kids, so please, buy a website. <laughs> Get a website, feed my kids. I think that's a good, I think that's a good logo. Um, because uh, I, had a, I had a thing, and I won't say the band's name, but I pitched a documentary. I was, like, really close to directing a podcast, or a, a documentary about a really 
cool band from a certain era. Never quite made it big, but highly influential. Can't say who because legal reasons. It was about it was going to happen. I had interviews lined up with people, all this stuff. And let's just say sometimes people are very childish and it fell apart. <laughs> so now I have to scramble for work. So buy a website, feed my kids. Um, I think that's it for my babbling at the top of the show. Please go to Mall Blum's uh, links and check out all things Mall Blum. It's a really great album or EP. I really like that first song that I just played for you. It's the first song on the EP. And what's also great is this conversation. So please enjoy. But for the grace of God goes every See, I had learning disabilities, like, since I was nine, but um, I actually am also taking a break from drinking um, for who knows how long. Uh, as of right now, it's been like a month, but we'll see. That's a pretty good halt. Do you, Would you say you uh, throw it down pretty reg- hard? <laughs> no, I don't. I just, it's kind of like um, Russian roulette in a way. No. <laughs> That's actually, I guess that's a little intense, but it's like, it's like four out of five times. It's like four out of five times. It's like, ah, oh, normal, uh, typical, like, okay, like can have a drink with dinner and we're hanging out, whatever. And like that fifth time I just go to a dark place and then, you know what I mean? I, yeah, I go to, yeah. the, I go to the bad place. <laughs> I, I think I have a timeshare in that place. Yeah, no, they they sell you on that place hard. <laughs> they yeah. give you the presentation. They they push you into it. I I don't blame you for getting the timeshare. Yeah, I I uh, and I would I've I've never been the kind of person who could have a few like or like one. So there wasn't yeah. that four out of five like with you. It was like half a bottle of tequila, two bottles yeah. of wine. Each day. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And I think that's, like, kind of the narrative or, like, the, like, that's, like, kind of where a lot of people, like, sort of hold themselves. So if I'm not, like, daily drinking, if I'm not doing that, then, like, it's fine. But, like, I just realized that, like... I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go to that place ever anymore. <laughs> like, you know, also I'm like depressive. So like if, if I even get a little bit drunk, like I run the risk of like sending myself into like a depressive episode for like a week. So I'm like, I don't know. Is it worth it? You know? <laughs> yeah. I have Irish genetics and I, so I think that's a big part. Like, and it would just like, it would be like a storm cloud in my head for the next day. Like, especially if I drink whiskey. Which I was like, oh, really? Specifically, yeah, specifically Irish whiskey. If you want to get, and I was like, no wonder why the British were able to oppress the Irish so easily. (laughs) (laughs) It made you pliable. (laughs) Because I would just be like, yeah, this fucking come in and take whatever you need. I'm gonna be over here in the in the corner crying, crying. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, the crying. And then I think I had this like fucked up like thing where I was like, oh yeah, I got to get it out. I got to get it out. But then I was like, well, it doesn't really count when you're like inebriated, you know, like it doesn't, it doesn't, you know what I mean? It's not productive. It's not like crying in therapy and like reaching an epiphany. It's just like, you're just crying for like kind of every reason, but no reason, you know, it's like, (laughs) yeah. Oh yeah. I would like weep at 
fucking commercials. Like I would just, yes. sometimes it was like, you know, father, son stuff. So that would fuck me up. You know, obviously I have issues there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, but like, I would just be like, you know, somebody playing with a puppy and I'd be like, I'm so lonely. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm kind of like that all the time, even like, you know, no substances involved. Like I went to see, um, Encanto. Did you see Encanto? My, I have a daughter, so I have two daughters and they're obsessed with it. And it's, yeah, it's great. I, I wept the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, why is this movie getting me? So like I, I was with my partner and my partner's sister and our friend drew and no one else was weeping. And I was just like, this is so, this is so emotional, you know? Yeah. But my, my partner is not a, a weeper. Like I'll, I'll fucking cry, you know, at anything. And she's not, and, and she, it got her. So if it, if it gets really? her, then I'm like, all right, this is, then I'm fucked. Really? <laughs> <laughs> it's the spectrum of your partner to you. Like, yeah. It's like, you know, if we, if we want to be classic, like, man-woman relationship, I'm like, wait a minute, aren't you... It's a, the, the tables are totally turned, which I'm fine with. But it's like, I don't build shit. I cook. She builds. Like, it's all over the... We're fluid. <laughs> hey, I can appreciate that. Yeah. Oh, I, did, I wasn't sure if you were a, a Brooklyn person or... A... Uh, I'm a New York... Uh, I was born in New York, raised in New York, was in New York for pretty much my whole life. Um, but then um, during the pandemic, um, my partner has been in Los Angeles for many years. And so I came out here and I was because touring was obviously non-existent. I came out here and I was like, OK, maybe I'll try to make some work happen on the West Coast. And now I'm sort of between um Los Angeles and um, like upstate New York. Do you, do you like Los Angeles? I do. I do. And as far as like cities go, I think that it's sort of an easier quality of life compared to like New York city, you know? Oh, I lived, I lived in New York a little bit and I'm from Chicago. So I, like, but yeah, New York is like when you're broke in New York, man. It's like a it's like a movie montage where people are bumping into you, and it's like it's like it. What bring? I was broke there, and it was just like every. It's like because the people with the money, it's in your fucking face, and you're like, oh, oh I can't yeah. eat there. <laughs> right. It's like definitely different. Like like it's not the same city if you have money or you don't have money. You know, it's like. But, um, yeah, in general, like New York city, I'm pretty, I'm somebody who I like, I have, we, we talked about like learning disabilities. I have a lot of sensory, um, stuff with like loud noises and crowds and like everything that would be overstimulating is New York city. So like some people I feel like feel energized by that. And I, I'm really just like, you know, really like I get the wind taken out of my sails when I'm like overstimulated. So yeah, it wasn't, it's not a great fit for me. <laughs> yeah, wow, we we are very similar because I'm the same way. And like, I get overwhelmed fast. Hey, you know what's yeah. great? Have two kids. And then if, <laughs> and then you get really overwhelmed and you're like, ah, like, but yeah. How old are they? One's about to be two and the other six. And it's like, 
And then yeah, I have my... two dogs. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's woo. That's a that's a full house. Um, yeah, my niece, my uh, my sister has a little baby who's two and a half, and um, I love her. She's like the cutest, best person on the planet but i totally like even like playing with her for like two hours i'm like oh my god like this is exhausting you know like i get like i don't know but then like my older sister um her the baby's aunt will be able to just like run around with her for like hours and not get winded at all and i'm like but for me i'm like the sustained focus and like worrying about like another creature i'm like that's so Oh my gosh, I don't know how parents do this 24 hours a day. Yeah, and then I quit drinking. That was usually my <laughs> it's like that was my my buffer. <laughs> sure. Sure. Uh, that know, doesn't that's sound good. like that's a, good. Yeah, I was going to say that doesn't sound that's good. Healthy. <laughs> you got to you got to you know, you got to stay on the ball, you know, cuz they they they're quick from what I understand, they're pretty quick. Yeah. Was that to have that sensory overload as a like as growing up as a kid was that kind of that would seem to because like i was weird as a kid and if i would have been in new york i think i would have i might have i don't know that would have been hard to manage yeah well i uh i didn't grow up in the city i grew up uh in a suburb uh in uh rockland county um so but i definitely was overstimulated as a kid but not like in a city atmosphere um but yeah, I think the part that, well, for me, it was like all I ever knew. So like, I don't know if it was hard to manage. I just was like, oh, I'm, <laughs> there's something wrong with me, you know? Um, but I think for my parents, it was sort of hard for them in the sense that it was difficult to predict like when, what would sort of give me a meltdown, you know, where like, you know, for example, they'd be like, okay, like we, (laughs) we saved up money and we're going on a family vacation. We're going to Disneyland. We're going to take the kids. They're going to love it. And then like, you know, like I would like go into shell shock and like, you know, freak out and they'd be like, Oh yay. Fireworks. And I'd be like, meltdown. This is horrible. I'm so scared. You know? Like, yeah, I totally, (laughs) I relate. And it was, I think my dad was very, you know, fucking liked John Wayne. We'll just put it that way. <laughs> so it was like, yeah. I just wanted to hide in my room or watch, lose myself in TV. And he thought yeah. something was seriously wrong with me. I wasn't being a man. Yeah. I, uh, yeah. Well, luckily I, um, I did not grow up with, uh, any sort of, uh, <laughs> expectations of masculinity on me because I was a girl at the time, but that was its own beast. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, my, my dad's pretty, pretty masculine also, but he's, um, but he's very, very secretly sensitive in this, but in this way we're like, yeah, he's, he's a complicated figure. We'd have to do a, a lot of podcasts. <laughs> him, but, um, yeah. I, but, I can relate. Yeah. Yeah. So, but yeah, I was, um, I was sort of a problem child, um, in this way, uh, until they like took, they had to take me to a psychiatrist when I was like nine. Um, but like now I look back as an adult 
And I really, I have a lot of empathy for like my child self, you know what I mean? Because I see like, I don't know, I see my niece now and I see other kids and I'm just like, but they're like children and like children don't really ask to be born and they're just doing their best. And like, sometimes what a child is doing is like, just like struggling or acting out, you know, the pain of the family or like, you know, like I really, I don't know if I believe in like problem children like I once did, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I look back at myself as a kid and I just like, they didn't, I, I'm, I don't know how old you are, but I'm, I'm probably older, but they didn't have like those <laughs> diagnoses. They did like, being on the spectrum, all that shit didn't exist. So they just, you know, they were just like, oh, he's right. stupid <laughs> or, or, what, or whatever it was. Like, they just were like, he can't get math. And But it was like, I just, that wasn't, they didn't have ways to navigate that. So it was just kind of, and I think that did damage in the long run too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I I mean, I think my, my dad is actually very textbook ADHD. Um, and like, they, yeah, they didn't have any of that stuff. And so like, I have a lot of sympathy for him and also understand his sort of lack of patience for me as a child, because it's sort of this like, you know, cycle, but, um, yeah, but yes, that, uh, yeah, yeah. So that was, but then of course also like, it, it all feeds into itself, right? Because then it's like I have a lack of dopamine, and so then I'm also more susceptible to being like, <laughs> "Let me get super drunk," or you know, like you know, it's it all is. Yeah, you need. It's like an Ouroboros or whatever. You need. <laughs> you need that like that stimulation. Because a lot of things, like yes. I would, I think I created drama and whatnot, and and things <laughs> to give me that charge. Really? What'd you do? Like I just fucking sabotage relationships and like, oh, yeah. and, uh, I didn't realize it until a friend of mine was like, oh yeah, you love chaos. And I was like, oh, I fucking do. And then even, <laughs> my, even my partner and I, I said that to her one time. I was like, I was like, we, we choose chaos. Like we choose. And Is she the same way? Yeah. She has ADHD or like we're both undiagnosed with a plethora of things, but it's like clear, like there's fucking there's shit going on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> does, I don't know if this is like a leap and I'm not trying to force it, but do you see there's a connection between these things and then you becoming creative or gravitating towards music? Um, yeah, I do actually. Well, yeah, definitely for sure. Um, I think that I found music at a time when I really needed a creative outlet. Um, so I started writing songs when I was like 14. Um, and I also think that, um, well, I think it affects my discipline in a way, right? Because I see other now at this point in my life, you know, I see my peers and other musicians and other writers and, um, creative folks. Some of them struggle with like doing their art, but some of them are more disciplined and they sort of have like a daily practice. And I've never been somebody who's been able to do that. Um, 
you know, it's sort of just like I'll go through periods where I'm like, I want to write every day. And then I'll go through like months where I like don't touch my guitar. And it's sort of feels very related to like, whatever <laughs> I have like special interests that I like pick up, you know, and it's like really related to like whatever my special interest is. Will you, that, you, will you become like obsessed with something? Like I'll get obsessed with where I'm like, I'm going to make beef bourguignon and I'll do it like 50 times until I get it right. <laughs> yes. yes, absolutely. Yes. Like I went through last year, I was like, I'm going to teach myself how to build things. And I was like building benches every weekend. <laughs> oh, that's awesome though. <laughs> yeah. But now it's like, then now I, I started, okay. The last thing I did is I was like, I, I need to make a bed frame for this, for this office. I need to make a bed frame and I built the bed frame and I built the slats and then I never hammered <laughs> in the slats and never got a mattress for it. And so now we have this like we have a guest room that has just like a be- an unfinished bed frame in it. And it's been two months. And I'm like, why did my dopamine for this particular special interest, like run out right in the middle of a project and never come back, you know? And now I'm like, I don't, I don't really care about building things. I don't want to do that anymore. You know, it's like, <laughs> yeah, I got a, I was like, same thing. I got a piece of furniture, like old shitty furniture. I was like, I'm going to fix this up and make it cool. And then it's in my bedroom just half yeah. stripped and my kid colored on it. So I'm like, well, now it's a coloring book. <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah. do you feel like that? I feel like when you're, when your main create creative thing sort of wanes or you need inspiration, you go and then you've, so that way you're still creative. Yeah. And then it sort of feeds your main. Cre- do you think that's what is going on there? Was that a convoluted way of me of saying that? <laughs> no, I, I totally get what you're saying. I, I think for me, it's more like, yeah, I need to be creative. Like, like, yeah. And, and that might be related to my brain, like just like needing, you know, to be stimulated all the time in these ways, but I need to be creative. I need to be like creating something. So I think like if I'm not writing or feeling drawn to music, like, yeah, I'm going to need to be like cooking something or, you know, building something or whatever. I don't know that it, I think it kind of takes the place. Like, I don't think it feeds, like, I'm not like, Oh, I I built a a bench and now I want to go write a song. I think it kind of (laughs) takes the place, you know, like, like I'll kind of procrastinate what I'm supposed to be doing by like, you know, refurbishing a table or whatever, you know, like I'm like, Oh, I'm supposed to be working on like recording, these demos or like writing out these chords or whatever. And instead of doing that, I'm like, I, I just don't feel like I could do that right now. I have refurbished this table, you know? <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. I also felt like when I was grasping at those things, I was seeking identity. Does that seem weird or does that relate? Me? Yeah. Does like, that seem weird to me? Seeking identity? Gosh, no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. Like, I get, for me, I was, yeah, I was like, I'm this person now. And then I, then, and, oh, yeah. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, I guess I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh, I think I, I'm going to like football. Oh, football sucks. Oh, I hate football. I fucking hate, I hate that whole organ, all of it, all of it. I don't like, I'm not a big sports guy. I was briefly. I like basketball because my, my mom and my older sister are super into basketball. So when I'm in LA and I feel like far from them, I feel like I can connect with them a little, like on the group chat when they're watching basketball. <laughs> but I don't know about, like, I don't know enough about, like they know way more than I do. So I'm, j- they're just like, 
yeah, like, 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 what's the last thing that they did? They were like, you know, they're like, yeah, well, you know, James Harden's leaving, but like, you know, who could blame him? He didn't, he didn't sign up for this, like playing with Kyrie like this. And I'm like, yeah, he didn't sign up for this. And then I'm like, Googling like, what, what happened when James Harden and Kyrie Irving, you know, it's like, I don't have like, I don't have the brain for that. Like even cause I was, I liked baseball and I still like baseball, but that organization can fuck itself too. And so can most mm-hmm. of those right wing dickheads who play the sport. Yeah. <laughs> I, I was listening to your music this morning as I walked my dog. No. Not that not to say that it was the first time I've listened to your music, but that totally I was trying to, I always am like interested in tr- seeing if I could pick out influences when I listen to somebody. And I really couldn't pick, I couldn't like nail anything down, which I think <laughs> is uh, a compliment to you. But I was also curious who were these people that influenced you as a, like when you were 14, who were you like, Ooh, I want to write like them or, and then how did that evolve? Well, that was a big, um, big question on my part. No, no, it's good. It's good. I like the specificity of it. Um, because the, my influence, you know, when they, I feel like when they ask people who their influences are, um, some people have like a very good idea of what that is. And for me, it's changed with every album pretty much. So it depends. Like, what album you were listening to, like what influenced it. Um, but when I was 14, it was more general. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like, right. like when I was first starting to make music, it, it was more general. And then like, since then I would say each album has different influences. Um, but when I was 14, it's kind of, I had like very embarrassing influences. Um, but I will tell you. Is that, but that could be subjective. Um, <laughs> I had like um, cumulatively picked up some stuff from being a child at that point. So like the stuff that I that my so when you're a little kid, you like the stuff that your parents like, right? And so that at that point was like um, my dad really loved the Beach Boys. My mom really loved Billy Joel. Um, so like those were two major influences, whatever. Then you go and you're like a teenager, you're finding your own stuff. And I was really like, (laughs) I really loved, um, Blink-182 and like pop punk. And then, um, I was like 14 year old, like little lesbian. Um, and so I was like, really, really, really into Ani DeFranco, had a really big Ani DeFranco face. <laughs> um, and like, like a big one. Like I was like, Oh, what did Ani DeFranco do? What was her career trajectory? I'll just do that. And like, I kind of did. Um, <laughs> if you think about it, you know, I was like, Oh yeah, she just like went on tour and she toured all the time and she just like made it a thing. And I, I could do that. And then I like kind of did that. Um, just like weird to think about. Um, do you not tour as much now? Uh, well in the pandemic, I stopped touring completely. Um, but I am, my agent right now is like looking at tour dates for, um, this EP that I just put out. Um, so I'm tentatively sticking my feet back in the water, but I just bet it's like weird to think about like basing your career on somebody that you like listened to when you were 14 and like, don't, don't listen to anymore. You know, <laughs> like 
<laughs> kind of a weird thing to do. Yeah. Um, but I, you know, it's like I had that obsession in the moxie and the, you know, like need. And I, you know, I don't know now if I had to do it again, I don't know if I'd have all that, you know? Um, How often were you on the road? Just like nonstop? Yeah, pretty constantly. Like I kind of, um, I went to college. I went to SUNY Purchase, which is um, a New York state public school, but it's like, you know, one of the artsy ones and they have um, a music conservatory and they have like an acting conservatory and a dance conservatory. So um, I went to the music conservatory and I started, uh, I realized that playing at colleges was a way to like make pretty good money. And so I started just like nonstop hitting up other colleges while I was still in college um, and like doing the college touring circuit. Um, And like, I was still in college myself and like, couldn't get the music department to like book me at their events at my own college, but like would go on the weekends and play like up in Massachusetts at all the colleges and like whatever. And and so I started doing that. And then um, for a while I was doing the NACA circuits, which is like, Oh, soul, soul sucking. (laughs) I have a lot of like social anxiety uh, in certain ways. So for me, it, it wasn't, usually the moment before I go on stage, I don't have a problem with that. But for some reason, the moment I get to check into the venue and I have to talk to like the venue manager and whatever, I would like sit in my car and be like, I got to do it. I got to do it. You know, like, yeah, I always hated that. I don't know why. Also after work, after shows, I didn't like if you Mm. did well, I don't know, talking about it afterward, like people coming up. I'm like, I don't want to talk about, like, I just want to go away. (laughs) Can I just disappear now? (laughs) I liked the I liked the selling merch aspects of it because it kind of felt like a video game. You know what I mean? Like because you're trying, but then there's some difficult parts because like some people are trying to like, like you know, if someone comes up to you in a merch line tells you something really intense about their life, you don't want to be like, "Thank you so much for sharing that." I have to get to the next person. You know, like it feels like weird and unnatural, but like you have to do it. You know, like there's no right. Um, yeah. So that that's always challenging. But I did like sort of the like when I got through the merch line, I always would be like, I did it. Nice. You know, it's like a video. It's like a video game, you know, I don't know. With this. But, oh, go ahead. Yeah. Sorry. No, I don't know. But then the, my therapist at the time was like touring is like exposure therapy for you because you don't like crowds. You lo- don't like germs. You don't like loud noises. Like it's like. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. With when, cause you were saying like the, your influences change depending on the album that you're working on. Does that, so do you like, I don't know. How does that, how does that work? Like, do you seek out certain sounds that perhaps you're looking for, for the album? Or is it just sort of like this journey of, Oh, I've been listening to this and this is influencing my writing. Yeah. It's not so, yeah, it's not so conscious. It's, it's more like, um, yeah, I've been listening to a lot of this and then that sort of comes out sometimes in the writing. Not always. And I honestly go through, this is probably very odd, but um, I also go through periods where it's like months where I don't listen to music. Um, <laughs> do, you, do you know why that would be? 
I don't know. Sometimes it's like, I don't know if it's like one of those internal blocks where the art that you do becomes a work as well. And you, and you are like, I don't want to think about work right now. So like, like I know a lot of musicians who are like, I feel like there's two types of musicians, musicians who just like really love music for the sake of music and musicians who are drawn to music for some other reason, or they have a complicated relationship with it or whatever. And, or they have a complicated relationship with like their peers or connecting with other people in their field. And like, so there's some musicians I know who are like when they're on off days or whatever, they're like, I'm going to go to another show. And then there's some musicians who are like, you couldn't pay me to go to a show. Like, you know what I mean? Like if I'm not playing the show, I don't want to go to the show. You know, like there, there's definitely musicians like that. Um, so like, I kind of go back and forth between the two camps, but um, it's yeah. Sometimes I just like, I don't want to listen to music because I either don't want to be influenced um, or I don't want to think about work or sometimes I'm, I just get very like particular about like, I just want to listen to something that I know what it is and I don't want to listen to something new. (laughs) Honestly, it's like, it's not, you know, it's not good. But then every now and again, you know, like I'll hear something and it'll be like, Oh, right. Like this is a perfect song. And like, this is a good, this is a good song and it makes me want to write and it like re-inspires me, you know? So I don't know. It really depends. With uh, pity boy. That's, that's what I was listening to this morning. Was, oh yeah. Was there uh could you point out the influences on that? I felt like the only person I could sort of vaguely pick up on, I was like, Lou Barlow? Is Lou Barlow influenced in that at all? Or Sabato? Um, not consciously. That was, it's, okay, it's harder to think about because that, because Pity Boy is like, okay. I the, the EP, I know more so, right? Because I'm like, that's so fresh. And I remember right. what I was listening to. Pity Boy, I'm like, oh, when did we record that? 2019. What was I listening to? I can't even remember. Um, although I will say uh, David Berman was definitely an oh, influence okay. for me. And my mostly my band at the time, my... Um, my friend Audrey uh, plays guitar. My friend Barrett was playing bass at the time, and they were both super big Silver Juice fans. So I think in terms of the arrangements, um, definitely, like, influenced. Um, I had already written the album by the time I got into David Berman and Silver Juice. Uh, so lyrically, wasn't a huge influence except that when I listened to him for the first time, I felt sort of like a connection to him and like a kinship with him. Um, and, and like I do, I love his lyricism and his writing style. So like ever since then, I think that he's like an influence on me. Um, but I can't claim him as like a lyrical influence for that one. Cause it was already written. Um, do you have lyrical influences outside of music as well as in like, I don't like, poetry and what have you not i like to think so (laughs) (laughs) 
I just your opening lyrics for the single off your EP, which forgive me, but like I'm flaking on the song because I have a learning disability. The title, <laughs> but it's okay. Was it the first single or the second single? It's the first song on the EP. Ah, stockpile guns. Yes, and yes. TV dinners. Yes, which is a great song. The EP is great. Thank you. You're welcome. But the lyrics, I don't know. I, your lyrics in general are great, and I and they. It's when lyrics really pop, like it's, you know, your lyrics stand out is what I'm trying to say here. Like, thank you. Great at it. You're great at that stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I think I'm, I know my strengths and weaknesses by now. And I feel like I'm a very strong, um, writer, like lyricist and, uh, a pretty good performer. And I would say like an moderate singer <laughs> oh i love your singing thank you um but that's, you know, i wouldn't like, say you're a moderate singer at all like i would say quite the opposite oh wow thank you um i wasn't fishing but thank you um but yeah i uh for me especially when i listen to music uh i'm always listening to like lyrics first um and yeah i really am um into like I, I interested in um pretty like go through periods where I'm pretty active uh in like non musical writing community stuff. Um yeah, poetry, um for sure. I uh at the beginning of the pandemic I was actually taking like um some um poetry uh classes and um poetic prose uh classes because i was like maybe i'll try to do some like non-music writing um and i have a lot of it i just uh never i don't know my partner is is like i've been like going into during the pandemic i explored some other like avenues and i was like how else can i make money other than music um and i ended up i like took I took an acting job. I took a modeling job. I, whatever. And my partner was like, you should like put out a book of your writing. And I was like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Why would you, but your partner must think there's something to it if they suggested. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's weird though. Like I feel more vulnerable about that than being like, yeah, I'm an actor now. Cause I like really don't care about that that much. Um, <laughs> But like writing, I feel so vulnerable about, you know, and I'm like, if it's not like perfect, I don't want to put it out. You know, (laughs) what did you act in? Um, (laughs) I got, uh, I, well, I was up for, I was up for quite a few things. I got to final callbacks for, uh, I got to, I got to final callbacks for, um, a couple network things. Didn't Damn. make the grade. Didn't make the grade. That's I still did, far. That's a long haul. Yes, especially because I, I was just like submitting myself on like you know fucking actors act access, um, and I got booked. <clears throat> I booked a voice acting gig um, for a, actually HBO Max pilot, um, and I was really stoked about it. I was super stoked about it because um, it was like the material was really funny and cool, and I was like, oh man, if this goes forward, like that would be so great. But it didn't get picked up to series. Um, so 
that sucks. And now I, I was like, oh, no. But there was like a week period where I was like, oh, my God, acting so easy. You can get jobs so easily. <laughs> And my partner and my partner was like, I'm going to fucking kill you, you know? Like, but I think that's the key is like, you don't care about it. So well, now I do. Oh, now <laughs> you're fucked. <laughs> well, now, I know now I'm like, well, I just, I mean, it's just like, it doesn't have the same. It's like, okay. So music like this, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Like music and writing, this is my main thing. And this is my main craft. And I, want to make sure that everything I put out is like in line with like, you know, who I am in that. Like there's more pressure to it. And then sort of with like acting, modeling, whatever these new pursuits might be, there's like an ability to have a little whimsy with it that, that I haven't been able to feel in my work for a long time because I get so self-serious about it, you know? Oh, I relate. Um, yeah, because I've just been doing it for so long, and it's so much a part of me and everything. And it's sort of like, yeah, I've never, I've never acted before. Like that's like a new art that like, it's it's not there. There's not all this pressure hanging on it of like it's like a nice little outlet, sort of, you know. Yeah, but I think like real actors don't want to hear me say stuff like that, though. <laughs> yeah, but most actors aren't real actors. (laughs) Like, I feel like uh, as a person who grew up around theater and stuff, it's just like, there's the people, like the people who are really good at it aren't, are tend to not be the assholes. And then it's Mm. the other people who are just like, Oh, actors. But like, (laughs) you know what I mean? Like those are the actors. And it's like, Oh, you're just fucking putting on a facade. (laughs) (laughs) What did you do? What did you do with theater? I worked at Second City in Chicago for... Oh, right. Yeah, I did that. And then I went to New York for a while and I worked around the UCB a little bit. Improv communities get culty. It's like a weird... Oh, no, don't get me started on cults. Oh, I love cults. Me too. Are you... Is that one of your obsessions? Yeah, I love a good cult thing. I me And too. I would like... I, I study them like in a cult-like manner because <laughs> I'm neurotically um afraid of because i'm so susceptible to oh yeah (laughs) i at one point said to a friend of mine i was like because i was having a rough period and i was like man i'm prime for a cult right now like that would just like i'm looking for something and that would i got into meditation so that i think i bypassed yeah just be careful not to get into transcendental meditation i took a class (laughs) But I didn't, oh, really? I keep it at an arm's. I I took the I took the class, but I don't like. Yeah, I don't. Yeah, what do you know about? Tell, give me, give it to me. <clears throat> I know, like um, they they say stuff like the science. Like I don't trust their what they say is the science of it. That you can fly. <laughs> oh no! You take acid for that. <laughs> no, it's um. I think. Uh, uh, I, I actually, I listened to, uh, um, a podcast, <laughs> it was a podcast. uh, it's Sarah, Sarah Edmondson's podcast. Um, do you know her? I don't. Sarah Edmondson, um, was one of the people featured in the vow. She was one of the people oh, yes. in ne- Nexium who yeah. was branded and left and was like 
pretty high up in the organization or whatever, but she has like a, a podcast now where they, they just like interview people who have been involved with different like things that are either cults or just like a little bit culty and that their show name is a little bit culty or whatever. Um, but they had um, a gentleman on who was involved in uh, like TM stuff, but like pretty like deep into um, transcendental meditation where like he was going to the schools and like, you know, the inner sanctum and whatever. Um, and it's like pretty bad. Like people have died and stuff. Um, and it's like, seems pretty corrupt where the money's going. And like, it's, it's like, it is sort of a cult, but um, in the like outer sanctums or like where it's like a lot of people just like, Oh, take a class and it helps and it helps you meditate or whatever. Usually fine. Cause there's like, they haven't been like onboarded up to oh, yeah. to get like dicey, you know, I looked into it like uh, a decade ago and there, the prices were like, I was like, uh, like it was like thousands of dollars. And I was like, this is fucking insane. The class yeah. I took wasn't, you know, it was a couple hundred dollars. And, yeah, yeah. and I was just, I was like, I like the concept of their technique, but I'm, I was kind of involved in a culty thing in high school, like a born again, Christian, uh, fucking youth group thing. And that got culty. So ever mm. since like, you know, people telling me like, you know, it's God's will you do this. And I was like, that's fucking not right. <laughs> it's like you yeah. can't, you're not the channel pal. So I've always, so ever since then, I've been skeptical and I went into those classes because I was like, there's too much money involved here and that's right. never a good sign. Right. Like That's it, good. I mean, that's a good instinct. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, like Buddhism doesn't, and I've t- gone to like Buddhist temples and taking meditation classes where I didn't pay anything. <laughs> right. 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 That's like sort of like if there's like a massive entry fee, you know, it's like you, you don't if you go to that's that's for me. I'm like, oh, that's when it starts to you're like, that's the kind of a difference between like a religion and a cult. You know, it's like, OK, like, can you walk into, you know, a Jewish temple or like a Christian church or whatever and just like pray or whatever you want? Like, yes, fine. If you go to like the Kabbalah Center or like Scientology, <laughs> are they going to try to like sign you up for these like classes that are like you know like oh like yeah the first couple are free and then you're hit with like two thousand dollars you know like that's like sort of the first red flag for me um yeah but i am very very susceptible and i'm surprised that i haven't been um because because like even in just like one-on-one relationships even like you know people i've dated or whatever you can really convince me that my reality is false it's so easy. My partner makes fun of me now because like, if I'm angry about something, I'm like, I, well, I don't like this blah, blah, blah. And then like within 10 minutes, I'm like, maybe I'm wrong. You know? <laughs> it's like, yeah. And I they're do. like, why don't you ever trust your own instincts? I'm like, I don't know. I wasn't raised with them. <laughs> <laughs> but I think being aware that you're susceptible is probably because I got sucked in once when I was young. So I'm like, so I know, and I'm cautious. And I think that's what right. probably saves you where I think a I almost lot of- got sucked in the other day actually for an ADHD cult kind of thing oh uh, well maybe probably more of like an MLM situation but it was on speaker and my partner was like hang up the fucking phone <laughs> <laughs> it was like because I, I was looking for like an ADHD coach like to help me or whatever right. and 
I got, it was like this program that was like executive ADHD success programs or whatever. And like this lady was like making me all these promises. And I was like, this sounds really good. Like, <laughs> and she was like, I'm going to fix you. Like, you're going to be a follow through machine. Like, you know, and then all, all of the coaches like then become coaches. They love it so much. And, uh, you know, all this. And I was like, uh, that sounds like yeah. a pyramid scheme. Yeah. Gabby was like, hang up the fucking phone. Like, <laughs> Like, and then she was like, you know, like it's no commitment, like all this stuff. But if you don't sign up right now, I'm not going to let you into the program. And I was like, oh, I got to sign up. They're not going to let me in. And Gabby was like, hang up the phone. Wow. That's some, that's pressure sales. Yeah. It was working on me very well. And thank God for Gabby. Cause Gabby's like, this is not there. Oh my God. Mal. That's, <laughs> that's a surprising thing. Like that. I, I, th- I don't know if I learned it from the vow or, but like people who, f- it tends to be like well-educated, like middle-class, upper-middle-class people who end up in cults. It's not, it's not the people you think it would be. Like everyone, I think, thinks of like Manson family, where it was all these broken individuals. Mm. Well, I am a broken individual, so Me I too. think that's why I'm susceptible. <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's something to be said about you know high-control groups that have a price of entry. You know, who has the money to sort of like pay that price of entry? You know. Um, but the Manson, the Manson girls is interesting. Gabby's aunt actually almost got recruited to that. And wow. And, and I think that's how it's like, so it's so happenstance. It's like who you're with or whatever, because, um, from what I understand, you know, she was at the grocery store and she was getting stuff for dinner and like, they were like, Oh, you come up to this ranch and whatever. And like meet Charlie. And, (laughs) and she was like, well, that sounds fun actually. And like, her friend was like, no, you know, and she was like, well, I got stuff to make dinner. And they're like, oh, come make dinner at the ranch. Like, whatever, we'll help you. And she was like, that sounds fun. And her friend was like, do not go there. Um, so other, you know what I mean? Like, it's like totally, it were like, you know, I was on the phone with this pressure salesman person who said that she was going to fix my brain. And Gabby was like, Mal, that's a cult. Hang up the phone. <laughs> He's like, really depends like who's around. And it's so happenstance, it's you know, true. like, um, but like, yeah, I, I don't fault anybody for getting sucked into these things. I think it's, or like, for example, yeah, like watching The Vow, the first episode or something, I was like, this seems great. I don't know what the problem is, you know? Like, yeah. Well, there's also- and I think they did that on purpose, right? To show you like yeah. what the appeal is, but, or like watching stuff about Jonestown in the early days, I'm like, I would have been a, I probably would have been a part of this. Like, like, you know, like all this stuff sounds so good. It's like social programs, you know, like, um, social justice, like, like health, healthcare, like it, all these things where I'm just like, yeah, of course. why wouldn't you get sucked into that? You know? Yeah. It seems to me too, as, as climate change and just the way things are going right now, I'm like, oh man, 10 years from now, cults are going to be fucking just a hotbed of fun. <laughs> it's like, right. Well, it's really alluring to have somebody be like, I have the answers, you know, yeah. that was when one, you don't have any. <laughs> one thing I questioned about like all the cults during the sixties, like with the fam, not, you know, the family, the guy who wore the big white robes and stuff. Mm-hmm. But I was like, was it a lot of, cause there was like the sixties were that, you know, there was a, they were coming from those like rigid dad, you know the 40s and 50s dad where it was like and i was like is this like a weird like everyone seeking daddy type situation i think that's definitely part of it for some people right like or or at least 
even if someone's not consciously seeking that, like if you're brought up in an environment that's sort of patriarchal um, and like absorbing that culture, you're more likely to sort of like appeal to that fit. You know, you're like, Oh yeah. Like you're more likely to give like our internal biases. I'm like, you're more likely to be like, Oh yeah, this guy, um, he seems trustworthy. He seems knowledgeable, you know, like if he's just a guy, you know, or like whatever. (laughs) I was seeking, like I, my dad died when I was 13. So I was like seeking community. That's what, Mm -hmm. and I think I've, and my family was kind of screwy. So I was like seeking family and community. Stability. And stability. And I think, you know, I've wound up at second city, which was a bunch of weirdo outcasts. And it was the first time I felt safe and like accepted. Mm. But, and I started hanging around there when I was like 16, 15, 16. So like that, but if that could have been anything, you know, if mm. I think people would have, I could have gravitated to, and who knows, you know, thank God I was around a bunch of decent people who, you know, granted, sure. I did some cocaine, but <laughs> <laughs> just a little, I mean, it's that's fine. I'm a lot of thing. acid and mushrooms and that was great for me. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I did mushrooms and I was like, I'm going to die. First, I was like, I'm a prophet of the universe. Then at the end, I was like, I'm going to die. And my friend was like, we did drugs, remember? And I was like, nope. But you were a prophet of the universe. I'm going to stand by that. You are, And this is where we start your cult. I'm ready. Let's go. You'd be a great no. cult leader. You know, no, you- I don't have good like decision-making <laughs> skills. That's what the, the minions are for. You have a couple of those side people who like enforce everything. Yeah. I would be a really good minion. Yeah, me too. I'd be a good, I'd be a good like right hand man, which is scary to think about. But I don't, don't want to be I... a leader. Leader, I, that I, that just seems. I don't want to like. I don't like that. I'm a horrible liar, so they'd be like, I don't know. My faith is wavering. Are you really talking to God? And I'd be like, Yeah, I'm talking to God. Uh, me and God went golfing yesterday, and he said. That you have to give me um, all of your investments for salvation. <laughs> That's a funny concept, actually, of a cult leader who doesn't fully believe in himself. Yeah. I, well, I think some of them don't, you know? I'm like, L. Ron Hubbard was absolutely a grifter, you know? Oh, God, yeah. So was, um, from what I understand... Uh, Who's the Mormon guy? Joseph Smith? Oh, yeah. I mean, that whole... It's just like you read that stuff and you're like, are you out of your... Like, who fucking gets on... That's what kills me. It's like, who gets on board with, like, when it's that crazy? Well, it doesn't start off that crazy, right? I guess. That's that's a good point. Yeah, Yeah, it does. It always seems like it... And then it's like... And now we're all going to have sex. Like, it's... Like, they, (laughs) they, they work towards that where it's like... Especially that one cult, I can't think of what it was called, where everyone, they were celibate, and then you sort of found out, like, from the side, like, later, the cult leader was stooping everybody. That was, well... The one in, that was in Hawaii, I think. They oh! La, la, love, uh, the Love Wins cult or whatever, is that the one you're talking about? I think about? so. I think it was, um, the cult leader was having sex, I think, only with the men. Oh, really? I If I... I think. I'm like, wait, a gay cult? Hold on now. <laughs> Hold on now. Maybe I'm interested. 
That doesn't um, that doesn't seem like it's happened. A gay cult? Like I mean, maybe maybe I, we're not aware of it yet. I mean, we're kind of our own occult in and of itself. No, that's not true. I'm not putting that out there. Uh, so you recruit. That is true that gay people recruit. Is that what you're saying? No. You're going to get all the right wingers on you. Oh, Jesus Christ. I'll edit it out. It's, yeah. I, honestly, if they want, sometimes I think about, like, if somebody in bad faith gave a shit about, like, whatever, like, what would they say? And it's like, in this interview, it's like, uh, Malblum calls Mormonism a cult and uh, defames Joseph Smith and says gay people are recruiting. <laughs> it's astounding like, that p- things can be take like people don't realize that with like you see that on social media where they take pictures out of context and it's yeah. like oh so and so did and it's like that's just a picture that could mean a thousand things but you label and then everybody jumps on board. I'm yeah. not telling you anything you don't know. No, it's just crazy. It's crazy to see. Um, but your EP is it out? Yes. Is it is it out? It's um, the first single's out. Second single's coming out um, March eighth, okay. and then the whole whole thing is out April fifteenth. Thank you very much for listening to Conversations with Dwyer. Please become a Patreon subscriber. Also, rate and review the show and tell your friends about the show. The best advertising and the best thing you could do to help me is tell people to listen to the show. Thank you very much and have a good day.